five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Poem podcast, your premier source for everything to do with the Toronto Divine and the Vancouver Titans. I am Chris at Life Force, joined virtually by Sam, another Sam Chan, on the Adani Strife. Welcome to the road show, gentlemen. Welcome. Yeah, it's been a pretty uh, nice week, except for the terrible hamstring pain that I've been having since uh, acquiring Ring Fit. See, I, I have Ring Fit. I have yet to get enough TV time to actually oh, okay. use it. I tried to play it on like just my Switch in my den here, like you know, small screen. It it's not conducive to that type of experience. I was uh, going uh, into it without like really knowing anything, but this this little thing uh, gets to you if you like set the level high. It's it's tough. What's your what's your guys' review of it? Because I had it sitting in my cart on Amazon, I think a while back, and I never pressed send. No, nope. um, and then of course it sold out, right? Because all things do nowadays. I mean, I like it a lot. I think it's great. I just played it for a couple of days with Lena, and uh, it's actually a workout. But but it's more a workout. Well, I don't know. It's sixty percent work, maybe seventy percent workout, and thirty percent game. So don't expect it to be like. I don't know, Breath of the Wild or something like that, but it's <laughs> it's good for what it is. It, it uh, it's really lose fun. your breath, maybe. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I can't out of breath. Yeah, I can't. You know, give a review because I, I again, I played it on the small screen for like 15, 20 minutes. So it, I'm really impressed with the hardware itself and how reactive it is, and and it actually pushes you to go. Like, uh, it's it's good. It's good. You know, speaking of fitness and, and gaming, I remember when I had a Nintendo Wii, one of the most exciting moments for me was when I got the uh, remake of Punch-Out, mm-hmm. um, where I actually got to fight until I realized that it actually required you to put in quite a lot of you know physical effort. It wasn't as much fun anymore. <laughs> yeah. I- a little bit of a more more of a tangent like the most difficult though gaming experience for me was playing uh skyrim vr where i enabled all the move to actually like crouch and move to swim and move to move your hand to shoot an arrow so going through a dungeon really uh, was (laughs) quite an experience yeah i was actually gonna gonna mention vr because like beat saber is kind of a workout and yeah. they have like boxing VR too, which is which is actually a workout. Oh, that's grueling. Mm-hmm. The the oh, I forgot what it's called, like fight night or something like that. Yeah. Imagine the thrill, if had, the thrill of a fight. It's called. It's insane. Imagine if if Overwatch had a VR mode. Like I'd just oh. be. I I, I, I mean, what be, does VR look like in Spawn? <laughs> don't know you, you uh play reinhardt and then you at the end of the game you take off your headset and everything is wrecked in your room pretty much but that's the thing is would i play reinhardt at that point no like i i, I just couldn't i'd be like who who is the hero i'll be bastion i'll just go into turret mode and I'll just, like <laughs> yeah. you know move around going pew 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 um we're not here to talk about uh you know, VR games, however, we're here to talk about the world of the Overwatch League, the Toronto Defiant of Vancouver Titans. And there's actually been news uh, from Vancouver that we get to, to talk about. So that's pretty exciting. 
We also, as we had alluded to last episode, have an interview lined up. Uh, Karku is going to uh, join us a little bit later. Sam here is going to tap out. Karku is going to tap in. We're going to learn uh, a little bit more about his journey as a content creator who is now, as we had shared last episode, back with the Toronto Defiant uh, for the 2021 season. Uh, and then in the Overwatch League itself, oh my goodness, have there been changes. We were talking before we hit the record button as to whether or not we needed a bonus episode just to talk about every single one of those changes. So let's see if we can get this one under two hours. A whole lot of content, let me tell you. So you know what? We're going to waste no further time. We're going to get ourselves moving along with the payload. Moving the payload. Join me. The Vancouver Titans announced some changes. Uh, They announced three players being dropped. Three players being re-signed, leaving one sort of in the wind. And I have to admit, I saw one of the drops and one of the signs as catching me by surprise. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about the three players that are not going to be returning to the Vancouver Titans. Those three players are Karkar, Suna, and KSAA. Which of the three surprises you the most? Okay, say obviously for it, me at least. It really seemed, and again, we don't know everything that went into that decision as to to dropping him. He had alluded to on in Twitter after the news came out that he had had significant difficulty dealing with ping. Mm-hmm. Um, he was missing practices, scrims. Uh, he was having connection issues. Which, quite frankly, if he was dealing with all of that and still playing as well as he yeah. was in match, I, I kind of wonder like why would you you not look to to bring him back unless you know was this more of a decision on 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 his end too like was it mutual or or could it have been that the titans had said well we need you to come here full time next year and he's like well no i'm not going to or i mean we don't know but that that shocked me and again i'm not trying to you know downplay the role that suna had with the team we don't unfortunately know what that role was because once shockwave arrived he found his way to the bench and uh you know we had talked a little bit about car car uh over the course of the season and i know there are a lot of people who feel that he didn't get a fair shake in in vancouver but i don't know if i saw enough from him that would have suggested that uh, there isn't better talent on the market and again we're going to talk about what talent is available i don't see how car car fit in that picture um, but, you know, anything about those three being dropped that, that you'd like to mention? I mean, this being not fair might be true, but that's the world of competitive esports or Overwatch or whatever you want to call it. That's what everybody's is uh, dealing with. And, um, yeah, it sucks that, the you know, we, we had the two players that were dropped with the ping issues. Um, hopefully they might find their way back to a roster. Um, what can you do? You have your, your dealt these cards and you try to do your best uh, with them. Some players did better. Some players did worse and it is what it is. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's a little bit more difficult to get KSA out of, I, I want to say Saudi Arabia, right? Yeah. King of um, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and just getting the visas and stuff like that. Like my guess would be that whatever way the league shapes out next year, that there's gonna be 
there's going to be some sort of virtual play at some points, even if it's just practices and things like that, unless, yep. you know, we go back to this whole kind of team house concept, live together, breathe together, et cetera. But, but I really don't get the sense that that CSC specifically will want to do that again, if possible. Um, unless something else shakes up altogether and we're, we're back in, in live action and things like that, but some sort of hybrid thing, like I imagine it's just so much easier for them to be on the same coast. And so mm-hmm. if they're getting KSA a visa to play a virtual game, um, like it's, I can kind of see why or where that that would be like a hard sell to someone like immigration. Um, yeah. And, and so, so at the end of the day, I think, I think it's, it's a casualty of, of a bunch of things from, from what I can tell, like it didn't seem like there was any like teamwork issues for, for KSA anyway. Like they probably were, were pleasant with each other as far as we can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the, the other two guys, I think, I think, I think it's a tale of two different stories. Suna was a case of honestly pretty bad luck. I think we really forget before we knew anything about the new roster, when Dalton and Suna both came on, we were kind of already questioning because they, they had similar hero pools, not exactly right. the same, but, but Suna, like, I don't think a lot of people know played a lot of tracer back in the day. I think he also did a lot of soldier. Um, and, and so, you know, tracer kind of became Dalton's go-to throughout the rest of the season. And, and there was that. And then actually when shockwave came in, it was kind of like a triple up effect. Yeah. Um, so, so like, can Suna play? Like, I don't know. He was also <laughs> asked to play a lot of Sombra, which is not his like comfort pick anyways. No, well, wasn't Dalton's either. Like yeah. when we, we consider the team that started off the rebuilt roster season. You had Suna and Dalton almost drawing straws as to who had to play the flex uh, damage role. Hmm. And, yeah. you know, Suna unfortunately drew that straw. The moment uh, Shockwave arrives on the scene, not only does he arrive on the scene when Echo comes into play and was lights out, we started to see him do crazy things on ping uh, with the likes of a widow um, him, him also being able to um, pop off when need be it freed Dalton up. I, I that's not a Suna issue. That's just, unfortunately the powers yeah. that be deciding those were the two they were going to, or three that they were going to go with. Yeah. But at the same time, like the limited time we saw Suna, like it was, it was not good. Like there's no sugarcoating it. So, so, yeah. you know, a limited sample size, but it is what it is. The guy with a ton of sample size, I think, is is Karkar, who we saw the entire season, and mm-hmm. and I think we noted a lot of his his different struggles, pretty much on any character except Brig. Um, he had a very solid Brig, um, but honestly, with what we're going to talk about in the rest of the episode, like there's so many different options to choose from now like Western European Asian, like whatever, whatever type of player you want, there's someone on the market right now for the right price. Yeah. And with tier two players coming exactly. you know, of age as well, that's another layer on top. Yeah. It, when it comes down to it again, to me, KSA is a shock, obviously probably more to that sooner, not really a surprise car car, you know, to the point that all three of us raised, it's difficult to look at Karkar saying we're going to keep him when we have all these other options that we like, there are so many players that are going to be available that quite frankly, if I'm a team, whether I'm the Vancouver Titans or I'm the San Francisco shock, I'm reevaluating the roster that I have regardless. It's just in a case of the shock, their bench strength is already significant. So unfortunately 
the Titans is not the shock. Before we talk a little bit about the three that are sticking around, isn't it unfortunate timing or what that social has a scheduled tweet about KSAA and a, a video to, to showcase. And then just later that afternoon, they get news that he's no longer with the team. And I, you know, I, I'm not looking to apologize for the team or it's just how this system works. This is not a Vancouver Titans issue. This is an organizational issue. Those that are in charge of the Twitter account are not the people who are in charge of the contracts and the player personnel decisions. And while I imagine the relationships vary across the league as to how much information flows between those two groups, you don't play go fish with your cards up. And that's ultimately what occurred here. It's just so unfortunate that the timing was such that they're like, yeah, look at our, you know, off tank, uh, you know, King. A few hours later, peace be with you. Have you seen the latest tweet from the Titans? Uh, the latest tweet? No. What was it's it? A, it's a montage from Shockwave. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, everybody's freaking out right now. <laughs> Is this a pattern? Oh, man. Well, okay, let's talk about the three that were announced as coming <laughs> back. Uh, they are Shredlock, Dalton, and Roll. So not Shockwave. We'll talk about Shockwave individually in a moment. The surprise here for me is, is Shredlock. Um, Dalton coming back made a lot of sense. I think if you were to have asked me of what players would the Vancouver Titans look to run back, I would have told you KSAA, Dalton, uh, Shockwave, and I liked Rolf. And I liked the role that he played, and I felt I feel there's so much more potential that he can provide this team. Uh, it, I mean, he joined us on the uh, podcast episode, and you can tell, very good head on his shoulders. He's um, got a maturity to him. This is a guy that's going to evolve into a coaching role if he wants it. And so for me, I, I feel that it's important to have someone like that on the roster. So... When I, I look at these three, Shredlock doesn't make that list, and that's the one that I find interesting. There are moments where Shredlock looks really good, and we ask that question. Is he feeding or support unable to give him the love that he needs hmm. in his aggression? And I'm going to gather that the decision was that, no, no, I think we've got potential, and we just need to get the right support and maybe you know off-tank around him. The other thing going for him, though, and if you wanted a further sign that this team is going to go and try to embrace the, you know, regional meta kids, a Canadian. Hmm. Yep. But uh, thoughts on, uh, on those three returning. You, well, I can start. I mean, like you said, it's uh, it might bring out some questions about Shredlock, especially when uh, we are surprised about KSA, who is another like the second tank that we had uh, was dropped. But maybe like the fact that uh, KSA had a lot of issues uh, behind the scenes with ping and whatnot, um, maybe Shredlock was you know a good um, fundamental teammate for a lot a lot of his uh, buddies. And maybe something about him resonated with the Titans uh, beyond his uh, successes or failures that frankly went with the team uh, such as they were. Mm -hmm. uh, as for Dalton, I'm really happy about this um, signing because, you know, we're going to talk about Shockwave in a minute. And he's definitely the more, more flashy player. But I'd say Dalton is, is the one uh, you really need on your team because... When is Tracer going to be 
not required? When will you not need a solid player who will maybe not have as high a high a peak as a lot of other like superstars in the Overwatch League, but but he has some sort of stability about him that I like. He'll never have like a, a bad game, whereas someone like Shockwave might have one. Um, Rolf, I feel like we talked about him a little bit last uh, time around, and I I am definitely not surprised. He's kind of like became the the face of the franchise, so to speak. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all for uh, having him on. He's uh, he's a vet, really. If you can ever recall, like yeah, four years playing Overwatch. <laughs> so I'm happy it was resigned. I think that uh, he can really uh, be a good flex support for us going forward. Yeah, I mean, the man has his own uh, face on a cup, right? <laughs> Definitely. So does Dalton and, and a couple other guys too. But uh, the way I kind of look at it is, is I think to give give um, Shredlock a little more credit than oh we signed the guy because he's Canadian. I think I think both him and actually the majority of the team like they're super duper young. Um, even even Overwatch standards where where you know when we look at it from our vantage points they're all young, right? But but I just mean like they they were barely eligible. Uh, some of them and and in my eyes like the titans have room for one project i think a good comparison in terms of like how we can measure shredlock's you know capabilities are are comparing with someone like beast in the coming year um like in my eyes the titans should always have room for one what i would call project player where where they have some potential and you want to see a little bit more um but the problem a lot with last year is they really had two major projects in Shredlock and Karkar. Um, and so so I'm not entirely surprised that we kept one of them, but definitely not both of them is and it's nothing to each of these characters on their own, just like I can't I can't think of like how you're gonna stay competitive if you're trying to work out the kinks with with you know one third of your your playing roster at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that leaves Shockwave, who is currently in the wind. Um the Vancouver Titans have not come out and said he's no longer coming back, nor have they come out and said that we're going to keep him. And there are people who are like, oh my goodness, why aren't you saying anything? I, quite frankly, think Shockwave is simply looking to play the market. And if I'm Shockwave, why wouldn't I? Why would I go and commit myself to a Vancouver Titans team when, for all intents and purposes, I've made a name for myself in a league and I've been noticed? Now, that's not to suggest that he doesn't come back as a Titan, um, but he's simply exploring opportunity. The fact that the Vancouver Titans have not come out and said he's not coming back, to me, is a clear indicator they want him back. But at the end of the day, the power remains in, in his hands. Look at the rest of the roster. Mike Dalton have been picked up. Rolf might have been picked up. Redwalk might have been picked up. Sure. But if you were to go and consider Shockwave and that, Shockwave would get picked up. I can't imagine a team not going and taking a flyer on Shockwave at this point. He's proved himself. So does he come back? Like, does he return as a Vancouver Titan? Or do you think that he goes and finds another team? For instance, the London Spitfire, who Mm -hmm. arguably might be going to a Eurocentric roster, one that is closer to home. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, I would be shocked no pun intended uh if there's not an offer on the table for him from the titans and we're just waiting uh and he's waiting to see if there's a better one out there yeah i 
in my mind, I'll go out and say it. I think he's gone. Um, I wouldn't actually be surprised if the Defiant made a good offer for them. So, so you know, our our buddies down in Toronto, I can I can see that happening as well. Um, I think London Spitfire is the kind of obvious place for him, but I also think like a lot of the issues that we're going to talk about with a lot of teams in this league is is how can they build a brand for themselves? How can they, um, you know, establish themselves beyond just you know playing well or 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 getting good results and a lot of the the issues that teams have been having is is like okay they want to have more more english speaking personalities on their teams and shockwave is definitely a personality so so he's one of those types of players that's really really good but also could be very marketable kind of like a a space right so so like i can see like teams that are that are trying to to build more brand presence they put in a huge offer for him and at the same time i don't see the titans dropping serious coin this season um just because of the the progression of where we are at as a as an org we quote unquote so again we don't know much more than than anyone else what we're just providing here is our own opinion and I have to agree. I don't know how Shockwave returns as a Titan. I just think there's there's better offers to be made out there. And that's not, you know, I, I know some will hear that like, oh, the Titans are a horrible organization because they're not bringing back one of their best players. If it were that easy, all the best players would remain on the team that they ever connect to in any form of competitive uh, scene, whether it be meat sports or esports. And that's, again, that's not that's not the way the system works. A few other notes uh, as to uh, sort of former-ish personnel. Uh, Wheats, who had announced on Twitter that he was no longer with the Vancouver Titans. He has found a head coaching uh, role with Noble uh, in uh, in uh, Tier 2. Now, what's interesting about Wheats, and I, I kind of commented about it last episode, he said he was no longer with the Titans. He has since found a new team and will be coaching there. But the Vancouver Titans have not acknowledged that he's no longer with them. It's it's kind of weird in my mind. And I, I at the time I kind of thought, well, okay, no, there's you know they're waiting for their moment to go and make these announcements to be consistent in brand, and that's bang on when it comes to Canuck Sports Entertainment and how they sort of do things. It's still kind of weird though that he we already know he's gone. And congratulations to him defining a new role, a head coaching opportunity that hopefully you know not only does he excel in but gets him back into the uh, the main show of the Overwatch League. But as far as anyone else might be concerned, he's still a Vancouver Titan. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to take the moment away from Wheats. It's a little bit strange what the Titans are currently doing. Um, but, but hats off to him. I'm mm-hmm. really happy for him. Yeah, and, and that's what I, I bring that up. I, it's just, it's kind of weird, but you're right. This is about Wheats. Good for him. He's good to us. And glad he's he's landed on his on his feet the uh, other former vancouver titan uh that uh, made news hacksaw has retired from competitive overwatch i don't know all of the reasons quite yet it just sort of came down late as uh, we were about to hit record from the sounds of things he just no longer sort of had it in him a lot of negativity in the scene um is thinking of becoming a streamer again looking at league uh but 
you know, I know there are many out there are going to be like, oh my goodness, the Vancouver Titans broke Hoxall, that one of the greatest, you know, uh, players in the game. I can't imagine the experience was a good one, but there's there's more to simply that. And if if that is what broke a player, there's probably something else that might have gone and broken a player too. Uh, Omni, before we hit record, I mean, you're of the opinion Hexel will return. Yeah, it doesn't seem like this is a, a type of retirement that will last long. I mean, the guy's been playing Overwatch uh, since it came out and was on the scene. I don't think that the Titans had anything to do with it. I mean, he was uh, in a good spot with NYXL. So had he l- stayed with the Titans and then retired, maybe there would be some weight to that claim. But yeah, we we already had a few players just announcing retirements only to return. I, I have nothing to base this on, but I kind of feel like Haxel will be one of those that will uh, promptly return to the scene, maybe after a well-deserved break. Shout out to the Fisher retirement. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just reading some of the conversation going on in uh, RSP Chord about uh, a recent interview that Haxel had with uh, Jay Hong. And one of the, questions that uh, was presented to him is throughout the season what did you have to keep in mind the most and his answer was since i changed team the rules are different things like waking up times was new to me and things like different positionings for each map that was new to me as well so the positioning i totally get that different systems different coaching style different you know personnel players what have you the things like waking up times though what does he mean by that well we had heard through the grapevine that the young Vancouver Titans roster that once was uh, sort of ran to the beat of their own drum, sort of set their own schedule. And I, am not suggesting that that's unusual. It seems that, you know, in the, in the general esports world, um, many teams sort of operate this way. It doesn't sound like the Vancouver Titans organization wanted to operate that way. So that created some, some obviously friction, but it's just, Again, I think this comes down to me needing to remember when we talk about Overwatch League pros, for the most part, many of them are young, impressionable, and and really understanding what it means to be a pro. And, you, you know, it's not like you go to school and, and take courses that say, here's how you become an esports professional. You need the right people around you, the right organization around you, the right structure around you to do that. And you know, it, it's possible that that's what was missing, and maybe that's good for the Titans. Maybe that's an experience other teams can take from and and go. Well, yeah, if, if he if NYXL was stressing him out over wake up times, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like in my eyes, if employees are not showing up on time. All the time, it's management's fault. But I'm always with the it's always management fault type of uh, approach. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm a manager myself. I'm, I'm I was full, just going to say. responsibility, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, like that interview, I think I, we'd be remiss not to, to put it in the show notes or something. Like that's a really cool interview from another former Titan, right. uh, Ruj exactly. Hong. So, so like I think do yourselves a favor, go back and, and, and check it out on Reddit if, if it's in English or if you guys can find the actual interview in Korean and you speak Korean, like have at it. Because I, I think out of context a little bit, like they were joking around with each other, talking mm-hmm. about the, 
the mm-hmm. the sleeping and stuff like that. But I always think there's an element of truth to every joke. Um, so take that for what you will. Um, but but yeah, like the the interview itself, I think it's it's really really interesting. He talks about like you know the, his top three DPS in the game and things like that, um, and and so on and so forth, and and what he's been up to now. So I think it's a good catch up for for both the former Titans. Moving across the country over into Toronto, the hot rumor right now for the Defiant, we don't have anything official, but the hot rumor is that uh, Arachne might be joining them. Now, he uh, is a former assistant coach with the San Francisco Shock, uh, so the Shock have made some changes. We'll talk more about that with the fray. Why is this the hot rumor? Well, he had commented that he was looking for a team. Then that tweet got deleted. Then he tweeted eye emojis, and if there's a group that understands the eye emoji, it's definitely us here at RSP. Yeah. If you look at who he's actually following, he's he's following the Defiant. He's following Albless, and I want to say OAM as well. And it, it's interesting that those would be the follows. Now it could simply be, hey, I saw you were you know looking to hire for this position, and I'm going to apply. And I understand that that could be as simple as it would be. You want to follow, get that connection, do some research. A hey, good on you, but. Where there's smoke, there seems to be maybe a little bit of fire. Is he following uh, I, RSP? He's not. Not yet. At the moment he follows RSP, uh, bonus episode, we'll just make the announcement before the the, uh, the team does. But um, so He's probably not coming in our squad then, right? Yeah, no. No. Team RSP is not going to be coached by uh, by Arachne. Mm, disappointing. Yeah, I, I if if this comes to fruition, I think it's a good pickup. I think that Defiant are looking to obviously build their their organization with proven strength. Um, we've sort of seen this iterate, and I'm sort of thinking sort of through where they've evolved. And you know, it's important to win. And I think you know, finding someone who's proven that they can in another organization, one that has had a lot of success, is a, a good way to to start in that direction. And the last thing uh, we want to talk a little bit about before we go into the interview with CarQ is that the parent company of the Toronto Defiant, Overactive Media, uh, recently announced a, a partnership with Egal Canada. Now, what the partnership is about, and just to give you some background here, is Egal Canada is uh, really an organization that's focused on uh, supporting rights of the LGBTQIS or I2S uh, people and creating an inclusive and, and safe space, whether it be in esports or in gaming. And what OAM is looking to do is really focus on, on improving diversity within the industry and, you know, based on their, their press release, really focusing on, on ways to become more inclusive. Uh, I'm a big fan of sports in general, whether it be esports or, or meat sports, but gaming specifically is becoming a more inclusive environment. I've talked about how I, I really wish, you know, people were better in this space. So, you know, I plot it to the, uh, defiant, but also overactive media for, for setting up such of a partnership and, and, and ultimately looking at, at what they can do within their community. Cause I believe the focus is primarily in, in Toronto and, the Ontario region to, um, you know, develop activities within the, the area. So we'll take ourselves a quick break here and uh, Sam, you'll tap out. Carcu, he's going to tap in. 
Hey everyone, Extra Life is looking for gamers. Extra Life from Children's Miracle Network Hospitals raises money through gaming of all kinds. Every dollar raised stays local to help our children's hospital when they need it the most. Play games any day and fund vital life-saving equipment, charitable care, research, and more. For all the details on Extra Life, go to extra-life.org. Connect with thousands of other gamers. Play games, heal kids, extra-life.org. Come out and face me. Here we are, joined by content creator extraordinaire and on board again with the, Van- or not the Vancouver Titans. Oh my goodness, the Toronto Defiant. I got too much Canada on my mind. It's hard to keep track. Uh, we got Karku. We had told you he was going to be joining us. He is here now. Myself and Omni are on board to chat with him. No idea where Sam went, which I'm only sort of hedging my bets that he'll be with us when we actually record our episode. And if he wasn't there earlier, then nothing has changed. But uh, welcome, Karku. Uh, how goes uh, your week? Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Um, I'm doing well. You know, week's been week's been all right. It's just going day by day. Had a good stream, good streams all week. Played in a little tournament today, and uh, yeah, here we are. Cool, cool, cool. Well, again, thanks for for joining us on uh, on Ready Set Pwn here, and we obviously are looking to expand our coverage. I and mean, we've sort of done that over the course of last season. As you may or may not know, we used to describe ourselves as the premier source for everything to do with Vancouver Titans, but we decided to go across the country, go Canada wide. And now we're really starting to dive into the world of the, the Toronto Defiant and seeing as, you know, you are a content creator, a streamer uh, that rocks the, the TD flag. We thought, uh, why not? Let's get you on board. Plus you're probably one of the smartest people uh, this side of the oh. border, right? When it comes to, to, to overwatch i've watched your i've watched your videos where you break things down oh thank so. you. you don't have to give me <laughs> i it's i appreciate the um the compliments thank you yeah, yeah. me per, me personally be... i thought that everything would be around just adding a little bit of red to our logos but here we are so <laughs> it's, it's been going quite well um, but, uh, what I thought we could do is talk a little bit about how you got into the world of content creation, uh, being a streamer. I mean, I imagine there are a number of our listeners who, uh, do that themselves. There might be others that have considered, you know, content creation. So tell me at what point in time did you decide putting yourself in front of a camera and broadcasting yourself to the world was something that you wanted to do? And two, maybe the follow-up to that is, how did it become a job where you're, you know, on contract with the Toronto Defiant? Well, I guess it um, it started many, many years ago. I mean, I've been a gamer my whole life. And I think uh, in 2010, 10 years ago, I was in high school, end of high school. I started picking up a game called um, League of Legends. And I got really sucked into that world of live streaming. I was watching a bunch of streamers at that time, watched mm-hmm. a lot of YouTube comp- content. I was just consuming media. And like copious amounts because of this League of Legends addiction. It was actually unreal. What's, what, what's that game? Uh, is that something new or uh, <laughs> some, some, something small, right? I heard about it. Yeah, yeah. It's a little tiny game. Maybe you play it on your phone. Who knows? Um, yeah. But um, yeah, uh, so I got really sucked into that world. I was watching stuff on before it was Twitch. It was Justin TV, watching stuff on like owned TV or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in any case, once I kind of like wrap myself into that world, at that time, maybe like a year later, 2011, 2012, when I was in university, 
Uh, I would skip a lot of classes and just play the game and just keep watching content. And then it got to a point where I'm like, oh, I, I kind of want to make YouTube content and, and stream as well. So I tried it on my little laptop in my little uh, in a in a little apartment that I rented with a roommate while going to school. And I was trying it out, you know, made a couple of videos. Didn't really go anywhere. If not, it didn't go anywhere at all. Let's face it. It was like five five people watch it, and it was just me, my phone. My friends, my roommate's iPad and like my sister, okay? like four, four, four people watched it. Um, and I tried streaming uh, League of Legends to, yeah, frankly, just like my two or three friends. But that was fine. Mm-hmm. I was just doing it for fun because I really enjoyed it. And then I think I did that for throughout the university years. And then when I graduated and I was like looking for jobs in 2015 or whatever, I would still like play different games and stream different games. Like didn't have an audience, but I did it because I enjoyed it. And then should I make this long story shorter? Or should no, I just, go okay, as okay. long as you want. Okay, yeah. I'm trying to go chronologically. Yeah. I never know how long I can, I can I can spiel on like the more finer details, but this will be labeled card yeah, yeah. history, <laughs> <laughs> the the biography. But um, <laughs> anyways, I somehow managed to graduate university somehow. Um, interesting. I did definitely didn't have the best grades. You know, trying to trying to balance ten hours of gaming a day with like going to school is. Probably not the smartest choice, but I, um, this, the joke, the running joke I, I make all the time is that all this um, skipping class led me to be a male online entertainer. That's the joke I, I run with all the time. <laughs> but in any case, uh, so I graduated in 2015 and it was just playing random games and uh, streaming, making videos here and there to, to nobody. I, mean, I think I took a break on the, the video stuff for like a year or two. And then when Overwatch came out, same thing. I um I was playing it, but I wasn't. I think I, that that's the time I was working two jobs and going. I went back to school for like a random course or two because I didn't really have a direction in my life. So I was playing Overwatch or whatever. This it's like six months into Overwatch's release. So late in 2016, I just finished like one of my classes, like postgraduate class or whatever. And then I was like, you know what? I should try. I should try like making videos again. It was fun. I really enjoyed it. So I made my first one regarding overwatch and i decided to post it on a smaller subreddit called competitive overwatch i don't know if you guys browse that one i think i've stumbled across it it's not that active if i if i recall oh competitive overwatch is is very active uh um, no, yeah the main the sure. main overwatch subreddit is just full of like play of the games mm. whatever um it's not really so much content but i thought um, maybe if i can put my um my content out in a more selective audience more curated audience who's interested in competitive stuff. Maybe that would be like a start to at least have a few people tune in and watch it. And it did, right? It only had four or five people in university. And then when I posted it on the subreddit, it actually got like 2,000 people to, 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 to click through and actually check it out. And I was like, wow, like 2,000 people? That is crazy. Like it's just exponentially so much more than where I began with. And I kind of use that energy to kind of... um motivate myself to try it again the next week and i did it again next week i made another video next week i made another video and the following week i made another video and each one would get just like 1000 2000 views but it would actually build like a small fan base and then i guess four weeks in i kind of got lucky because i went to bed one day and i woke up the next day and one of the videos i made the week before suddenly like got picked up by the youtube algorithm and it kind of like caught that wave and it was like hey um it looks like people are interested and watching this content let's just recommend it to like a more broader overwatch audience and then suddenly um the video that had like 2,000 views like jumped up to like 20,000 30,000 
50, 100, 200,000 people watched at that. Like, this is insane. Um, so then I kind of like dropped uh, the school and everything. And I was like, uh, I kept I kept my job. I kept, I dropped one of the jobs. I was working two part-time jobs. I kept one part-time job. I dropped the extra schooling. I was like, let me try to like see where this leads to. And then I, you know, started making content regularly. The videos didn't really pick hit the algorithm again. So it was, the views went back down. It was like a short-lived surge and I wasn't sure if it was going to last, but I kept it consistent. Um, and then eventually later that year, things got picked up by the algorithm once again. I'm really, I'm, I'm actually just a slave to the algorithm because once, <laughs> once I got picked up again in um, mid summer of 2017, that's when I started the new series called the one tip for every hero. And that's the stuff that really, really took off and propelled myself to become a more household name in Overwatch as a content creator. And then during that time, I was like, you know what, obviously I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket with YouTube. Let me try like streaming again on, on Twitch and see, you know, feed, bring my audience from YouTube to see who would come over. And it was slow to start on Twitch, but obviously um, being consistent on YouTube helps bring a new audience in, funnel them over to Twitch, playing it regularly, um, playing in the same games as other top streamers that were already established, helped me network. And uh, yeah, a few years later, here I am. That's the long story. Not really short, but. <laughs> oh, no, it, you know, it, really describes the journey. Cause I, I, mm -hmm. I completely understand that there are, are many out there that, you know, aspire to become a content creator and don't realize it's an investment of time and effort. Oh, it is. Um, you know, and even when you, you know, I'll use the Twitch, you know, correlation, the Ninja effect. Oh my goodness. Ninja raided my channel. I'm now I've made it. It's, it's more than that. I, again, Oh yeah. Like with YouTube, it's the algorithm, but like it, that concept's still the same. You need to continue to produce right. and evolve and invest. So, you yeah, know, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to hear, hear that story. Now the sort of the follow-up there is, so here you are, you're making the, the one tip for every hero. You've, you've finally got the algorithm, you know, on, on your side more mm -hmm. consistently. Yep. How do you become connected with the defiant? Um, well, when the Defiant released, we're having a, um, like a, an opening party ceremony, not a ceremony. It was one of those like promotional parties to kind of like introduce the team the franchise like to party, the city. Yeah. yeah um, mm -hmm. I got invited by the, the GM at the time, Jay. I didn't know who he was, but he knew who I was and they were just looking to invite guests, uh, locally. And, um, I was apparently on the list. He's like, Oh, Hey, like I'm Jay. Uh, do you want to come to this our launch party? And I was like, "Yeah, sure. It's Overwatch related. Yeah, why not? It's just downtown. Just gotta drive like forty five minutes, park the car, and go." Mm -hmm. um, so I went there. Um, it, was, it was quite a nice party. Really well done. Uh, met some people. Met Jay in person. And then um, at the time, I was thinking, "Hmm, I wonder. Like, since they're in Toronto, like, how what can I do to to help contribute to this? Obviously, I do a lot of Overwatch." Um, I have an established name and I kind of use that to uh, as leverage, I suppose, or try to use that to, to help like, you know, increase my value. So I was like, you know, mm -hmm. I'm from Toronto. Um, I actually, you know what I, I did? I, um, uh, after that party, I messaged Jay on discord and I'm like, Oh, Hey, like if you're ever looking for any sort of content creators, or anything related, you know, I'm here. And then the, the thing I try to use to kind of sell the package was that I think at the time they fielded an all Korean team. Um, and they were 
um, all from Korea contenders. So they didn't really have like that much marketability at the time. And I'm like, hey, I'm established. I live here in Toronto and I have like a very Western audience. Like maybe we can work something out together. And Jay's like, you know what? That's a pretty good idea. Let me put you in touch with some people at OAM um, who can help like, you know, work a deal out and uh, go from there. And I was like, okay, cool. Got in contact with them. And they're like, you know what? It's a good idea. Let's do it. <laughs> and then here we are. That's yeah. that's that's the story. You know, it, it's interesting sort of how you describe that. I, I can speak to some respect the experience here in Vancouver, mm-hmm. um, where, again, the Vancouver Titans first season, all Korean roster, just came out of contenders, right. granted a unit of... Yeah, of they're already the a full... Yeah, they're a unit, and I mean, they were winning, which... Right. If you win as well, that helps a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, one of the challenges that they had within the market here was connecting with with people. You had a, a, a group of players who really weren't accustomed to, I think, being on sort of this international scene, but then very primarily focused on a on an English speaking market. Um, and you know, for the podcast, we were somewhat of a conduit in getting that information out, but it, you know, it was difficult. It was, it was like, you know, working out on muscles that you never knew you really had. And that takes quite a bit of time. Unfortunately, as things ended up going, it seems that, you know, decisions were made to go in a different direction and that's, that's unfortunate, but, uh, uh, unlike you, we simply just, uh, thought, oh, this is cool. We never thought to pitch it as an idea or an opportunity. We also don't, you know, have such huge existing following and nor are we as established as, as Karkio. But yeah, we're maybe a close second, give or take a, yeah, the origins, know, a few million views. The origins like are kind of similar where I went personally to the reveal party and I streamed it and suddenly I had like 2000 viewers on Twitch. I think Flarvin uh, shared it on her cha- channel and there was definitely a lot of hype surrounding the Titans mm-hmm. at the start, like, um, mm-hmm. Chris here said, so yeah, there but- was effect of, uh, of, there was a demand, uh, to see more, which unfortunately like the Titans themselves didn't really, uh, provide to the fans, I guess. Right. Yeah. And that, you know, actually just on that note, as we sort of look to move on, you came onto my radar because of my following the Toronto Defiant. Now that's not to mean anything more than um, the statement of fact. I wasn't as uh, big into the Overwatch scene. I I played the game, enjoyed playing it with friends. I like podcasting local franchise. I often refer to myself as a biased sports fan when it comes to all my local teams. And it was that same here you know, that connection where I see there's this guy who's, you know, streaming content, I'm going to go and I'm going to tune in. And then since then I've now watched a number of the videos you create, I've watched your streams because of, of that Toronto defiant connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, I think if we think about, you know, I think moving the overwatch scene forward in, in Canada, I think the two teams probably need to look to invest into that a little bit more or, you know, not maybe more, but continue to invest in the case of the Toronto Defiant. And and I think that proof is in the pudding here as it was shared on Twitter last week, back for a, a, another year. So mm-hmm. really looking, looking forward to that. Yeah. I do have a question though, being that yep. you were a league okay. streamer, what got you to become an overwatch streamer? Like, was it the game? And you're like, Oh, I just, this is, this is my, my type of thing. Cause I, when it comes to league, 
Overwatch is not Nowhere at all the it. same. Yeah. Um. Well, I went with the intention. I didn't have the intention of like getting super famous or anything. I did it because mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. And at that point, when Overwatch came out, I'd been playing League for six years. I'd had taken a lot of breaks. It was a love hate relationship with it. Um. And at the time, Overwatch, I was playing it actually a lot more than League. So I was like, you know what? Let's just make some stuff for Overwatch, like I did with League when I was younger. I mean, in between then, I kind of skipped some parts where like. I tried streaming Hearthstone because I really enjoyed that game too for a little mm-hmm. while. Um, I streamed a bit of Diablo 3. When I say stream, like I didn't really have an audience, but like, you know, I dabble in a bunch of other games. Sure. So like I how dropped high- League. Yes, yeah, sorry. How high were you ranked during those uh like early stages of Overwatch? Um I was before the 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 mass like the 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 grandmaster and the master that kind of system they used the number system yeah yeah for before you start at like season, 50. Right? yeah I hit seventy one season Ooh, one that's pretty good is, I think you just take I think it's equivalent to masters right? yeah but I had years of uh, playing FPSs on console beforehand and some of the skills definitely do transfer it's just like just about refining them and like bringing them back right. Mm-hmm. So here you are, you're playing Overwatch, you enjoy the game, yeah. things click, content creator, and everything takes off. So I have to ask, and, I, and again, this is just based on statistics that I, I looked up over on Overbuff and on uh, on the Overwatch site. Um, it occurs to me that you almost look like you're an Anna one trick. Um. It's gotten to a point where I have her tattooed on me. <laughs> so, with Zenyatta, though, but uh, yeah, I know. Oh, I, there you go. I, I'm like I, I have nothing. I, I play so when I play support, I'm I'm Anna Moira. Those are the two heroes I enjoy playing. I'm not. I'm happy in bronze. <laughs> I think I found my way up to silver, which might be a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, but you statistically are one of the best Anna's, you know, in in the world based on these these metrics. And I know there's much more that goes into it. So yeah. How come we don't see you in the, you know, Overwatch scene, either in the league or in contenders? Um, I mean, there's a joke around contenders and like contenders trials tier two, tier three, where like they can't eat because like you don't really earn anything until you mm-hmm. make it. It's a, it's a big risk and time investment. And I've been able to build myself like a very nice career creating content and just being an entertainment streamer that like it's not worth investing my my time and efforts to scrim six hours a day of out of view two hours that's eight hours of just a maybe maybe mm-hmm. of a shot right and honestly speaking that maybe is still not good enough like yeah maybe um statistically i'm pretty good at anna relatively like, but like some of these pro players if they played as much ranked as i did i'm almost confident they'd they'd all beat me in in that regard like it looks good in ranked play but there's so much of a different dynamic when you play in a team environment Mm-hmm. Um, cohesiveness, synergy, communication, like using your resources differently in a team game. And I just, there's, there's just a lot more other deserving players who put thousands of hours into, into that to make it to, you know, fit that role much better than me. Sure. And um, I would say I'm on the older side relative to the other players. I was going to say, I mean, <laughs> to me here. Yeah. <laughs> relative to the other players. I'm 27 now. Um, and these players are like 16, there's like 17 year old prodigies. Oh, yeah. they just turned 18. Now they can play yeah. in the league. Now I've got some years. My, res- my, my responsibilities and stuff are a little different mm-hmm. compared to these players. 
Right. It's kind of like uh, in uh, Chris's favorite sport. You can tear it up uh, playing basketball at the local YMCA, but if you try out for a Division One school, it's going to be a different story. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> you're, you're spreading rumors again there on the... <laughs> But um, yeah, it's just um, <clears throat> I, I just play for fun. It just so happens that I'm like decent enough that I can hold my own and play with some of the best players on the ladder. But the ladder is just like a pickup game at the end of the day. There's just going to mm-hmm. be like random players pulled on all different roles. And it's just about how you play well together. So, yeah, like the pickup game at the YMCA or something. Yeah. It's just, Please teach me how, how to stay in uh, diamond without dropping back to plat. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot that goes into it. For oh. sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely, but it's good fun. It's good fun. So support is that just the the place that you feel most comfortable in? Because I was you know going over some of your your heroes and the, the Baptiste is up there. You know Zen was. It, is that just the comfort yeah. zone? Like I kind of fell into it in season three. I I was able to hit um like decently high on playing just a just filling mm-hmm. before roll queue right. Um and then when season three came out and Anna came out. It was like, Oh, we're running this comp and like nobody was locking in Anna, but she was meta and we need it. And I was like, okay, I'll play her, I guess. And it got to the point where the hours increased. So people like looked at the profile and like, Oh, he plays Anna. Just let him play. Anna. that was death ball time. Yeah. The de- um, it was the Reaper Reaper, the crazy yeah. death blossom with the speed boost. Yes. Yep. With the speed boost and the nano boost. And I kind of just Whew. started playing Beyblade. that. And yeah, exactly. Beyblade. <laughs> So I was just playing that and it just, yeah. Before that though, I was manning like Zarya and Farah in season one. I played a bit of DPS, but uh, yeah, I can hold my own at all the ranks relatively speaking, but support's definitely my best. By far. If you yeah, had to I'm... like uh switch permanently, you'd go back. If you had to play DPS, would you go back to Farah and no, no, not no way. Not now, um, especially not now. <laughs> no, after all these years of playing Anna, my aim is a pretty, it's, I think it's decent. I think if I just refine like my decision making on DPS roles, I can play most of the hit scan stuff like, just because a- Anna's a much more aim intensive hero compared to the other support. Yeah, Widow and Ash would be a good good idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like if I was maining Lucio Mora, Mercy Brig or something, which um, may not be as intensive in, in those mechanical aspects, I'd probably have to play a different set of DPS or maybe just play tank. Cool. To build that aim up slowly, yeah. I'm 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 kind of not hearing the love to to Reinhardt, who is by far the greatest hero in the game. I'm disappointed. Oh, he's fantastic though. No, I love Ryan in small doses. I can't I can't play him for the life of me though. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I I look at it this way. I mean, I, I again, it could explain why I'm a silver tank. But uh, Reinhardt is by far the best hero for all classes. Um, you don't need better support when Reinhardt's in there killing theirs. Uh, best damage hero. Like I have. <laughs> I've lost track the number of times I've somehow pinned a Farah midair. Cause trust me, I know all the angles and where I can boost myself up. And I, I think I'm granted Reinhardt's got like a Dyson vacuum cleaner on him if you hit on the mm-hmm. right spot. So that helps. And then uh, obviously the best way to play Reinhardt is to forget that you have R2 or mm-hmm. M2, I guess, but I just, go, I don't even know what R2 is on the, on, that's the well, shield I was, one, right? The shield yeah. One. I was thinking for some reason I, I, I was, I, I've been, I got a controller to play fall guys with, and now I'm back to controls, but yeah, most two for the shield, just hammer all the way. Oh, um, before we sort of, you know, move into, 
to the content creation a little bit in more in depth. Mm -hmm. Let's say, you know, I want to become an Overwatch pro. Do you have any advice that you could provide me on, on what it might take or what I might need to expect? I mean, I know, again, I understand that you don't live and breathe within that scene, but you're probably a yeah. lot closer to it than, than the likes of myself and Omni. So like, what advice could you provide? Uh, honestly, marketing yourself is really important networking yourself and i feel some people feel like if if obviously if you're unbelievably talented that's like marketing in itself like you're just top of the leaderboards all the time mm -hmm. but if you're not but you're like maybe top 100 there's still 99 people ahead of you so it's like mm, you have to do something else to kind of stand out and i really think participating in as many tournaments as you can that may not have that many requirements and doing as best as you can there building some twitter presence because all the overwatch people are kind of connected on twitter um well, sometimes land you different opportunities and it's just up to you to, you know, capitalize on those opportunities, skills that you, you have. Um, I just, it's a very general answer, but I actually think that's it. Like other than just popping off on ladder and <laughs> after like, working hard in the, in the teams that you are playing on, you know, there's a tier list. Obviously there's like really good tier two teams, but in order to get there, you got to play really well in tier three or tier four, if that exists, I'll call tier four, like ranked ladder. Pop off on rank ladder, get introduced. Some people will notice you. People will really scout. Like managers in tier three would be like, oh, we saw this guy on ladder a lot. And he's like, pretty chill guy, makes makes good call outs. Like, you, you're marketing yourself in games, especially if you're playing in other streamers' games. Like, yeah, a lot of like duo contenders. Or, in, sorry, go ahead. If you duo with, a, uh, with another streamer or a pro player. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That happens often. That happens, and then people notice you, and then they'll check you out and just scout you and be like, you know, we could try them out on a team. And if you're a good teammate and you you, you do relatively decently, you kind of just work your way up the ladder. Obviously, there are going to be exceptions to the rule, just like everyone, where like one person just somehow bypasses it. Just because I'm 37. Or uh, Chipsa, <laughs> good examples. Um, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, it's just um, that happens in every right. field and industry, of course, right? So. And sometimes I can like work out at the end of the day too. Some some don't work out, some do, but that's generally the path that most people would probably True. take. <laughs> Jonak used to be like uh, just a ladder player. Exactly. No. Yeah, but his rank spoke for himself, and he just yeah. He's but pretty, once he's, he showed up, he proved himself. He's exactly. pretty decent. Yeah, we could say he's he's all right. Yeah, he's, yeah, all he's right. okay. One on one on Anna, you can probably take him right. Nine yeah, times sure. out of ten. Yeah, got him in the bag. <laughs> Um, back on sort of the content creation side, mm -hmm. who's your favorite streamer? Um, I'll be honest. I don't actually sit and watch a single stream. I'm one of those guys that bounces around five, 10 minutes at a time between different streams. Okay. Um, same with YouTube. I actually don't really have a favorite in Overwatch specifically outside of that. I don't really think I have a favorite streamer. I don't. I don't watch that much Twitch. I'll bounce around before I stream mm -hmm. uh, on Overwatch streamers just to see what's going on or a lot of people online. I actually watch to see like who's playing. So like I know if I queue up, like who am I going to run into today? And it would be make good content. I'm always thinking <laughs> from a content perspective. From a bit, I want to say I'll say business perspective. Sure. A bit more. Uh, so it's uh, more a uh, who am I going to run into? Will this work out? Is this the experience that I want to provide? And I guess, you know, have there been days where 
maybe you even venture outside the world of Overwatch or is Overwatch the thing? Like I, and again, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not obviously watching your stream, you know, eight hours a day. Unfortunately, the day job gets in the way of this. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like, I mean, I guess what goes into that? Like, is it, are there days where you play Overwatch when you'd rather not, or you're playing Overwatch and queue times are like, well, I'm going to spend five, 10 minutes, maybe longer in between matches. Like, how do you manage that? Um, I think earlier in the, my Overwatch, you know, career, I was thinking I had to only stream it because when I did try to dabble outside of it, I think when Fortnite was hot in 2018, I was like, mm-hmm. I tried streaming this as well. Um, I would see, drops of like 70% of my audience not tuning in. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know if this is going to work. But more recently, I've learned to balance it out more for my sake and not worry so much about the numbers here and there. Um, so lately, if I don't feel like it, I'll actually not play it. Like yesterday, I actually started my stream playing God of War on the PS4. Um, and I was like, I'll play this for two hours and I'll play Overwatch. And I ended up playing God of War the whole stream for seven hours. Because mm. I was having so much fun with it. But it's at a point now where I've been able to build an audience that I was still able to garner like a decent viewership. Um, it's not 70%, but I'd say probably like 50% of my normal audience there. But like, I did strictly variety, no Overwatch. And I was still able to get like, there. And like, I've learned not to be afraid of that and just do it for my own sake. Because mm-hmm. I actually like the game. <laughs> yeah. But I don't do it often, though. Overwatch is still definitely 95% on, on stream. And then for YouTube, it's strictly strictly only Overwatch for now. But stream, I'd like to dabble on a few different games here and there. Is the YouTube connection purely algorithmic, or is it just a... Yeah, it yeah. is algorithmic. I did a sponsored thing for Blizzard where I did Overwatch League-specific and mm-hmm. not general tips targeted to the mass audience. And even that, I saw like a huge drop in viewership. Oh, wow. And it affected my last video I put up because I think algorithmically for your channel didn't do too well there. Maybe it will recommend it less or whatever. I don't know. It's it's a bit complicated. Obviously, I think if you always put consistent good content out, even if like you see a little dip, you'll be able to recover. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that over the years too. Like it's always going to be up and down wave. And I can't, you know, I have to work those things into my expectations or else I'm just gonna always be disappointed in myself. Always trying to compare myself to others. Mm-hmm. Got a question there on me? Nope. Not in that case. <laughs> okay, well, the, the last question I have just then on the content creation side. Um, I asked you what advice you'd give sort of a young Overwatch pro. What advice would you give a young content creator? And I say young, I mean, I, it's, I don't imagine me suddenly becoming a content creator, but hey, I, someone like me could. So what mm-hmm. advice could you give us? Um... Like the cold, hard truth, cold, hard truth, cold, hard truth. I think shorter content works better at first. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hear me out on this one. I always use this example where, okay, let's say I want to learn how to cut an onion and I go on YouTube and search up. How do I cut an onion? And I see someone established like Gordon Ramsay spend 20, 20 minute video, Gordon Ramsay, how to cut an onion. I'm like, "Eh, it's Gordon Ramsay. I could probably sit there for 20 minutes and watch him. Um, but then I see, you know, if I somehow like, obviously it's ranked by views, but let's just say I just scroll randomly to like low amount of viewership. And then I see, you know, a video with five views and it's also 20 minutes, how to cut an onion. Like, which one am I going to more likely click? Probably Gordon Ramsay because he's already established. Mm-hmm. 
um, when you're trying to build a new audience, you only have so much time to kind of hook them in. And I feel like 20 minutes is too long for someone that doesn't have a base to go off of. So that's I, I was thinking of like that when I was making content for Overwatch. I'm like, I I remember reading a psych study where it's like your attention, people's attention span is like, what, three to five minutes or whatever before they decide to like do something else in general. And I thought the same for videos because I find myself when I click a video and I'm like, oh, it's 20 minutes. It feels like too much of an investment. I'll click it for like three seconds. And if I don't, if it's not, if it doesn't already catch me in the first three seconds, I just click off and do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually made two minute Overwatch videos to start. I made 23, 22 tips or 23 tips in two minutes. It was like something I did. And that one actually did really well at the time. Um, and then once I was able to hook and build like a, a foundational audience, then I slowly increased like content because I have a dedicated audience now. Now, in the case of podcasts, it's different because um, what I've noticed a lot of podcasts, how they do to grow is actually they'll put clips, important clips of those out. So if I like, you know, I use the biggest podcast I can think of, Joe Rogan. Um, instead of like the main podcast showing up my feed at first, I saw like a JRE clips, Joe Rogan experience clips thing. And it was just like a five minute snippet of one of his guests. And those ones like those ones would pull me in and watch the whole thing if I was invested. Mm-hmm. And then I see it for a bunch of other podcasts now. I see so many of them have a separate channel called clips where they'll take snippets of the main podcast and throw it up there because that's a lot more digestible and consumable. Like you see it on TikTok. You have like 10 seconds, 15 seconds, short content. But like always like stimulating so you just like keep going for it and then the dedicated audience will, will, will watch the long stuff but it's very hard to build or keep people's attention for that long without like reeling them in first so yeah. biggest advice you know not only on youtube um but just all platforms is just probably start slow which is why twitch in general will always have will fall inferior in terms of like raw viewership numbers like having the value of a live viewer watching hours is innately like more valuable than like a single viewer on YouTube just because they have to be there longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so in order to build, I always say in order to build the best way to build a Twitch channel in 2020 is also like having a successful YouTube channel where people can see snippets of you, which is why a lot of streamers and stuff are now doing like 10 minutes, their games or like some of them are actually just short clips. I don't know if you keep up with the Overwatch YouTube scene. There's like um channels called like noob hunter or fresh nuts where they just pull streamers clips yeah, yeah. Like 10 15 seconds 20 seconds of them quick next clip next clip next clip so people just get small doses of them and then they have that short amount of time to see if they want to check out the rest of their stream for the long mm-hmm. form content which is their, their live stream so i'm afraid we're gonna have to leave like 90 percent of this interview on the editing table really I've already I've already <laughs> noted the, the 30 second clip that I'm using. Mm-hmm. It was the advice to, to con- be content creator, use something short. The Gordon Ramsay analogy is phenomenal. I just want to point out mm-hmm. um, I'm going to steal that. I'm not going to claim it as mine, but <laughs> I may use you can. it. You totally can. I just change the changes. Be like LeBron James teaching me how to shoot for, for yeah. 20 minutes or, you know, yeah. Coach how- John. And how is that in relation with your content uh, for the Defiant? Are they like, are you shooting ideas back and forth with them, or they just tell you all you do your thing and um, tell me it, or is it a mix? It's it's probably a mix of everything. There's a couple of recommendations I want to see happening, but like it's going to take time to implement because when you work with larger um, 
when you're not an indiv- like I'm an individual. So if I, I want to make an executive decision, I do it. If I want, right. if, if I have to make a decision, it has to go through so many layers because that's just how it works. It has to be approved. So like things are a lot slower uh, in that regard, but I bounce ideas. I told them what I think works just because I've, done, I've built it successfully once. And I feel like certain things will work better than others. Um, but at the end of the day, the biggest thing to help like the define is to actually win more games because winning will always drive in general interest and that will, Feed into it and have cause a chain reaction. Yeah. So I have an idea for you. You do uh, twenty tips for twenty Overwatch uh, league teams mm. <laughs> and how to beat them mm-hmm. under two yeah. minutes. Oh. Under two minutes. <laughs> this this team beat them by doing this. Yeah. But I, I've always thought Overwatch League itself is also like already a subcategory of the general Definitely game not. Overwatch on the thing. So I'm like, mm, do I want to go even more specific? Than already than Overwatch, which is already like not even a top ten game in terms of like ship and mark like market share for for gamers. Right. Yeah, well, I, you know, unfortunately, it's been knocked aside by Among Us, and when someone figures out how to esportize that title, yeah, you know, Among, Among Us, Us is dominating the algorithm right now. Oh, smart IQ move, beating this person by like lying their way through this, and it has like. Six million views. I'm like, oh my goodness! How to rank up to uh, GM in Among Us? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or whatever the equivalent would be. <laughs> so, um, as we look to to wrap up the episode, I wanted to ask uh, a couple of quote unquote light questions. Mm-hmm. Um, jumping back to Owl, I've just made you Overwatch League Commissioner for a week. Is there anything that you might change, or anything that you might try to introduce during that period of time? Uh, you know, COVID permitting. Uh, yeah, COVID permitting. I mean, I, obviously, the pandemic you know limits things. So let's let's presume it's the old normal or whatever that new normal may look like. Um, probably a longer season, but more breaks in between. Um, instead of having it this where the season ends and then there's four to six months of nothing just off season mm-hmm. moves and then just sitting and resting um i don't know if everybody will agree to that and i we always have to remember it's not real sports where like they, they need off seasons to recover their body because they're traveling all year and all that stuff and i understand that but like you know the i watched basketball mostly mm-hmm. so i know like the all-star break is the closest thing that a players have which is like three or four days if they're not already nominated for the all from November to April, if you don't make the playoffs. So it's a long time, but for overwatch, February to September is quite long. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is seven months, but, um, I would say instead of like one break in the middle, like definitely space it out. Cause these guys, these guys are gamers. They do need their rest. Don't get me wrong. Like mentally and everything to check out, but doing like the big tournaments this year was a big change with like the, the summer showdown and all that stuff. And I think it's a successful model and having like um, hosting the homestands relative relevant to like bigger, those kinds of styles that mm-hmm. like, you know, add together to for a full season standing record would, would probably generate a lot more hype. Even I was excited to tune into some of the um, tournament matches this year. And I don't even watch that much owl. Um, it's probably that. And then give these players like two weeks off or something. So they can like work that, travel to vacation and see family and all that stuff into the year so like they don't go seven months these guys are young they're 19 20 18 just turned 18 right. and they're living out by themselves 
make them you know fly around COVID permitting play in your tournaments whatever for two three months two months live with the team but, but like take two three weeks off and then get back into it two three mm-hmm. weeks off at home spend time recuperate and then go back into it because yeah i think it just works better for for gaming that's just my take obviously there's a lot of pros and cons of this model so ba- basically uh load management yeah like Kawhi did Kawhi leonard didn't help him much but yeah well <laughs> <laughs> oh, far load too much basketball talk going on right now even though i totally get the references <laughs> and i totally know what load management is i know who Kawhi leonard happens to be there's uh, backstory here basketball's dead to me <laughs> but then being a bitter vancouver fan could probably explain why um the grizzlies let's go yeah <laughs> it's still sore um i noticed and then maybe it's not something i thought of uh two 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 mm-hmm. are you a fan of it yes or yes okay yeah i just, I just wanted to say that even before you finish the rest of the question yes all right <laughs> okay. love it so the, i thought the, i was the only one on the planet that liked it no, you'd be in the majority. Great, surprisingly, not on people have tried it out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Surprise? Yeah. Well, so Sam and I. It's not that we're we don't like we don't want to go back to the old way, but to us, we thought maybe there is a way to have essentially like a one-three-one, or like it doesn't have to be a. Uh, or it's not what three, one, three, one, two, three. Like the idea being is each pool is represented, but we do also concede that that gets you back into the world of a, like a somber goats, which, you know, I know for many people, that's just like going back to what goats would be. But I, I you know, I, not that, you know, but we as a podcast have all the solutions, but you know, it did seem that when two, two, two got introduced, a lot of people shared what their thoughts were, whether or not, they had given it a, a fair shake. Uh, hero pools. Is that uh, is that something that you think has hit the mark, or does that need to maybe be taken back to Torb's workshop? And that one, out? I think the majority of people say it didn't hit the mark. But I, this one, I have an opposite opinion. I think that one hit the mark for me specifically, mm-hmm. being biased um, because I'm a streamer and I play the game. You know six hours a day, five days a week or whatever, for the stream. Yeah. Um, having that variability in team comps every week or two weeks that they change the pool keeps the game more interesting for me since I play it so much and I don't have any attachment to... Like, obviously, I play a lot of Ana, but I can play other supports as well, and I don't mind it as much. Um, but some people who obviously play actually only one hero, when their hero gets banned for that week, they, they don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> um and it's like they don't get to play that much. And that one week they have some time off. Like, wow, my hero's banned and ranked and I can't get a good. I can understand that perspective. Yeah, for me, because I play so much and um, and I have to play every week. It, it, it keeps it interesting for me. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think I have one more question here. Mm-hmm. So I did notice you. I have noticed you appearing on the Battle.net uh, launcher once mm. or twice. So... I know for a fact that you know. When is Overwatch 2 coming out? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Honestly, if if they threw any sort of crumbs to any creator, you know we'd be uh, all over the, the oh yeah, my god, I know. Overwatch like, 2 stuff. A so. hundred of 10-minute uh, videos up on YouTube. 
they'd be everywhere yeah. if we ever got a crumb. But um, <laughs> they're very good at, you know, not breaking their NDAs. So I got nothing for you. And I don't think anybody else does. Or maybe if they do, they sign something. But I can tell you, I didn't sign anything. I know yeah. nothing as well. I know just as much as the next guy. So I'm hoping it pops off. Overwatch 2 is currently a bet between myself and Sam. And I had said that I felt that it would come out this year. And I listed all these reasons why I thought that might be a possibility. It doesn't obviously look like it will. No. no and therefore, we're going to have an episode full of basketball. So <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. Yeah, you're <laughs> invited to come over instead of Chris, who's uh, really not a fan of the topic. What do you watch? <laughs> Hockey? Well, I, I watch... I did watch basketball. I'm simply bitter with how the Grizzlies left town. And then when mm. the Grizzlies were here, the experience with the team and how the league treated Vancouver, mm. um, as we've now seen with the Raptors with some time investment and an organization that knows how to grow within the market, yep. good things can occur. Grizzlies never really got that shot. So I'm a little bitter about that. And therefore I blame the NBA. And then it didn't help that the Sonics, you know, laughed. I just, there's a lot that's of the next closest team, right? Yeah. Yeah. Team. A lot of PNW hate here. Um, I could have been Sam and I could have been like following the blazers, but, uh, but no, I, by then I was done. So hockey, soccer. Uh, I mean, again, I love sport. So I'll pretty much, if it's competitive uh, or even amateur, I'll watch it. And then uh, esports is just cause I like, I like gaming. So that's my thing. Sounds good. Uh, and I guess sort of on that note, uh, talking back about uh, esports, uh, what is your favorite game of all time? It doesn't outside of Overwatch? I mean, I don't. Maybe it is Overwatch, but let's drop Overwatch from the mix. Favorite game of all time? Um, maybe old school RuneScape. Oh, okay. I grew up playing that. That that played a very strong part in my life. Uh, between when I first started in two thousand three, all the way till now. Obviously, it's been on and off, but that might be the game I put the most hours in of all time. Just because it spans 17 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I still play to the day, yeah. Yeah, RuneScape has a dedicated following. It's yeah. an interesting thing about it. I find that <clears throat> those who who love it, love it. Yep. And then those that don't may not actually know about the game. It just, again, I my small ecosystem of, of gaming communities. Mm-hmm. It was just added to Steam, right? Like a few days ago. That's the, the the most modern version of the game. So I don't know if you guys have you guys played it. Maybe you tried it a bit at one point. But oh yeah, late. the old one for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they yeah they they split off into two separate games. I mean, oh, the main man. game kept going in a new direction that people didn't like, and then they decided to reboot an old version of it. 2013. My lights went off because it's scheduled 1155. Hey Google, turn on all the lights. <laughs> um. <laughs> Sorry for everybody who's listening. If they, if I turned on their smart home, yeah, system. I'm sure a lot of uh, people will <laughs> complain in the podcast listeners that oh, it's oh. gotten dark all of a sudden. Oh, no. The magic um, of audio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the game split off, and then they made the old version. And I was playing the newer one for a bit, and I decided to go back to the old one. So the Steam is actually Steam actually pulled the the newest oh, modern okay. version of the game. Okay. So not everyone that one has a smaller fan base than. The old school version, but it stays alive because of microtransactions. Mm-hmm. So here we are. We're we're wrapping up our, our segment. Before we uh, get into the phrase, are there any final words of wisdom you want to share to uh, all of our listeners? There, Karkin. Um, about what? Point me in a direction here. That's 
life, gaming, life, gaming, anything. Um, Basketball. Make sure you take showers every day and eat well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, um, if you're looking to make content, um, do it because you love it. A lot of people that you watch probably didn't get this overnight. It was like years that you of work that you didn't see go in. And it's just, and if you're ever curious, look it up. That's what I did. Self-taught. Everything. You don't know how this works? Search it up. That's what the internet's for. It's a beautiful place. Sometimes dangerous, but also, you know, such an amazing resource. Wealth of information. You can learn literally about anything. I didn't know how to do any of these YouTube things, business marketing, but I just taught myself because I said, hey, why not? <laughs> awesome. If you're looking to uh, to follow CarQ, uh, you can find him on Twitch. He is twitch.tv slash CarQ. Uh, YouTube channel is youtube.com slash CarQ Games. And then on Twitter, you are CarQ Games. Uh, it yeah. took me a moment to uh, connect those dots. I wish I could drop the games, but I can't because... Someone else is sitting on Yeah, I, I couldn't get those names. Yeah, unfortunately. But... One day. Yeah, hopefully one day. Yeah. But uh, again, thanks uh, for for joining us. Uh, Hopefully we can get you back uh, at some point uh, over the course of the season. Uh, But for those of you still listening to the podcast, we're going to take ourselves a short break and then dive into the fray. everyone now knows what it takes to become a content creator uh, if you ever want to become one within the overwatch league you need to go and create a short video as to how to cut an onion yeah i'm tearing up here just from you know that interview i, I see i see what i see what you did there <laughs> uh but uh, back on to the overwatch uh, league specifically show notes i wrote so many changes you know, we kind of poke fun at the slow times, and this past week has been far from it. So let me rapid fire go through all the changes. For Bring those up of you, joke. For those of you keeping notes at home, hopefully you can keep up. So, Houston, uh, we've seen Linkser, Blase, Dante, Muma, Jeski, Meko, Hureg, and Dream all no longer uh, be in Texas. Florida has uh, seen the departure of Sia Player, who has already found his way to Valorant, Karian, Byram, and Chris. Over in London, they've cut Shui, Aldo, Babel, Jians, Cleston, Haile, Krillin, J-Mac. The Guangzhou Charge have de- uh, announced departures of Neptuno and Chara. Uh, Chengdu Hunters have uh, said that Bacon Jack, A-Ting are both gone. Uh, the Guangzhou Charge also cut uh, Waya and Crystal. San Francisco Shock could cut, uh, and I'm saying cut loosely, I mean it's Mutually parted uh, players leaving retirement, what have you. Uh, Arachne. Uh, the Glads have said OG, Faustus are gone. Uh, Dallas has said Onigod, Note, Paintbrush, Closer, Crimson, Trill, Gamsu, and AKM are gone. The Soul Dynasty have announced that Hokery, their GM, is leaving. LA Valiant have said uh, farewell to McGravy, Gig, and Apply. The Hangzhou Spark have said Adora, Ado, Sasun, Rhea, Baby are gone. 
And there's probably a few more that somehow I didn't cover. A hacksaw, we already talked a little bit about retiring um, or announcing his retirement, so he's no longer with the uh, the NYXL. The big change is that Dallas now has one player. You think that'll be enough? Has. I, you know, it might be, but <laughs> if it was the K, it might be enough. <laughs> yeah, how ironic is that? You considering... know what? Would be cool. If someone made a kill feed, uh, Overwatch kill feed video for all these guys being cut, like a Genji Blade ultimate just slashing through all of them. <laughs> oh, mega kill. Yeah. yeah. You know, and again, we I use the term cut. I know not all teams were doing cutting. Some of it was player Someone's departures shopping. and retirements. Um, it was just, there's been so much movement. It was difficult to go through it. First, I was like, okay, I mean, we're going to talk about each and every one. Uh, no, I, I don't think we can. So let's let's actually sort of talk at a high level before we maybe talk about a few of the players that are names that uh, we see in the mix there. There is some belief that uh, teams are making these changes to no longer have to pay players during a pandemic. And there may be some truth to that. Contracts themselves um, essentially uh, you know, run to a certain point. And if the team doesn't exercise an option or determines to release you, there's language around uh, that taking place. The Overwatch League has said, however, teams must have a minimum of seven players signed to their roster by the new year. And we're talking, I'm going to say it was like early in January, if memory serves me correct. So that's still the case. And if the season doesn't start, and we'll talk a little bit about that a little uh, down the road, you're paying for players that technically aren't, aren't playing because much like any professional sport or, or e-sport in this case, the contract is for a term. It's not like an hourly wage. So it could be that teams are doing that. But then I think back to the conversation that uh, we had had with Adam um, many, many months ago and how there was probably going to be, you know, uh, changes throughout the league. And, you never, you know, we didn't really know what that meant at the time, but I kind of wonder if maybe now teams are sort of coming to a, a realization as to where the market lay as to the player affordability. Um, you know, rumor was players were getting paid bank in the first season and somewhat in the second season. Now with obviously pandemic impacting revenues, I'm kind of wondering if maybe there's been a, a realignment of the bottom line, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And in that particular case with so many players now in the market, this is not a player's market. This is a team's market. So that kind of helps move the needle in that direction. Right. But, you know, I, I, I'm sure there may be, you know, Sam, for instance, you know, you always have, you know, real smart takes on the business side. Uh, Omni, you know, the, the competitive scene, you know, better than most. Like, is there something I might be missing here that I'm maybe not fully understanding? No, I think it's the same thing that will happen at the end of every season, really, where uh, a lot of the teams that weren't really happy with their performance or just the general direction will just have to drop a lot of players. And and unfortunately, um, even if you make it to the Overwatch League, that doesn't really secure you a, sort of a career unless you're like a, a gaming uh, warlord, <laughs> like some of these guys are. Your, your um, fate kind of is foggy sadly and and i'm i'm kind of concerned uh whether it might push away players from the league and and more into streaming and stuff like that but that's only expected from from teams who want to retool or or like london who want to 
change mm-hmm. directions. Looking at these names, I've bolded a few that I'm sure 100% it's someone who will pick them up. Uh, Dante, McGravy, Karyan, Crimzo, Gamsu. There's quite a lot of talent uh, just you know, going out there. OG as well. Um, these are sad. I'm, I'm more looking uh, forward uh, to the signings of players uh, than to the drops. But yeah, what can you do? Free agent is, I guess, another uh, nice uh, term to unemployed. So I wish <laughs> luck to all these guys in finding a spot. Yeah, I, th- I think... <clears throat> Excuse me there. I think this this particular off season is is I think we will look back at it and call it kind of the exodus. Um, there's been a couple of things that kind of happened, and we've we've talked about this in the past. But I think smarter people than us have been mentioning that this off season, like if you think the the names that are retiring now are crazy, like you're you're going to see some things this this off season. And of course, nobody knew the off season would be like November, um, but. But um, like I think actually on the reverse, there are going to be good players, like what I would call an Overwatch League quality player, like a player that should be starting on at least half the teams that won't get a contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so so all these names that we see here, some of them won't get contracts, even even the names that that Omni listed. And the big reason for this is something that the the league kind of slipped in near the end of last year, and and I think. Um, I can't remember if we we talked about it when we were talking to the Defiant, um, but the two week contracts are a big big deal. It's exciting from a team perspective; it's horrifying from a player's perspective, right? Because now I think don't be surprised if teams go from eleven to ten players down to the minimum seven, and then they just fill out the rest with two weeks, right? Why commit to to Muma mm-hmm. if you don't know if he's got anything left in the tank? Uh, for for one of your kind of season long spots, when I can just kind of rent and drive for two weeks and see what happens, right? If they're good, then maybe we'll think about another two weeks. If they're bad, we cut bait. Um, that sounds you know disgusting when we're talking about you know real human beings as people. Um, but but I think that's the kind of ugly side of of this business right now is because because I think for the first couple of years the the players had a lot of control over their destiny, especially with I think it was like one on one contracts and things like that. And now the the control has definitely shifted over to to the owner side, and and I think at the end of the day, like a lot of them are now making very unpopular Overwatch League uh, competitiveness decisions, right? Like if if you know from our perspective, I think we've already kind of kind of you know decided that if Surefire or Shockwave don't go back to their respective teams, like we we kind of understand, but if if you're looking at it purely from like, is my team going to win? And we see that they dropped one of their most talented players with like no, nothing to fill that up. Like that can't look good. Right. So, so I think this is, I wouldn't say the beginning, but I think there's actually still more names to come because a lot of these really good teams. um, I think one of the names that was missed um, was that the, the fusion dropped Boombox just, just I think today we we talked a little bit about it last episode because he had, he had dropped a looking for team before before, yeah, before the team came out. But there's going to be yeah. more more of these good teams. Like, who are the Shanghai Dragons going to keep? I don't think they're going to roll it back. I don't think the Shocker are going to roll it back. So, so like, there's going to be some crazy things out there. So, this is kind of your mental preparation if you're not prepared. The list of players is long, and I think there are you know you actually nailed all, all that I had on my list there there on me. But 
one of the things that I at least view this as, and from a perspective of both the Titans and the Defiant, is you now have these two teams that have an opportunity to, if they're going to embrace, for instance, the Canadian flag, um, looking at the the likes of of uh, Note or or whomever, and then on top of that, you have someone like McGravy. I think McGravy would be good for either team. Yeah, it didn't maybe work out very well in LA, all things considered, I mean, with, with how the, the Valiant season went. But he's got a good, solid personality. He's a good kid. Like he, he's he's marketable, and it's it's always nice to have marketability on your team. Not marketability in so much as the player who is the star, but then think knows it. It's he's more like a guy that hey, I, I have fun. Uh, super actually is a good example. Super is marketable, whether you like them or not. And I'm not trying to say McGravy and Super are the same. They're actually quite a, their personalities are quite a bit different, but Super is marketable and it's good to have someone like him on your team. Yeah. Like um, any type of entertainment, while the main competition is in Overwatch itself, uh, we certainly do need that out of the game competition as well to attract the fans. And I'm sure there's quite a competition uh, in terms of jersey sales and, and viewers and whatnot. So in order for the league to survive, they really need to uh, take care uh, of, of you know, those personalities because that what really brings in the viewership, I think. It's not, oh, the, the, the orange and black of the Philadelphia Fusion or the, you know, red and black of, of Shanghai Dragons. At the end of the day, it's about the players. And if they're not interesting, if they're all like popping off, but they're not like saying anything, it could be nice for a couple of players, like a, a sort of a persona, but we need those other types of guys who can really, you know, carry a team personality wise is what I mean. Yeah. And I, like I, if I look at the two teams, I think the Vancouver Titans are in a position where they need the personality more than the Defiant. I think the Defiant have reached the point where now they need to win. Sure. As far as those sticking around, um, prior to sort of late news this afternoon, uh, show notes had Houston adding Junkbuck as a co-head coach. So it's Junkbuck and a uh, friend of the show, Harsha. Uh, London promoted Nuki to GM and then Houston promoted cool Matt to, to GM. This one, I will admit kind of caught me off guard. I know cool Matt at the start of the season that stepped down and went into like a management role. I can't remember what, if they actually even defined what that role was. Um, but that took place. He's now becoming the GM. But what was interesting was how that was shared. Essentially it was announced via an article that the ownership group of the Houston Outlaws equally own uh, Checkpoint XP. There was no press release. Um, and so it came across as a leak. And I remember seeing people talk about like, oh my goodness, is, is this true? Like it's kind of left field, but no, that's how that was shared. And why I mention that is the late news. The Boston Uprising posted on the Overwatch League website. Like there, So each team has a, a team site, a microsite, some of which have blog posts, and uh, Boston Uprising announced that a bunch of their players are coming back because they want to stay in Boston. So mm-hmm. um, I want to say it was Fusions. Um, Color Hex. Ma- Color Hex. Myongbong. I didn't see anything about Jerry Punk. No, that that was the uh, strange omission, I guess. Um, yeah. Punk, Jerry. Yeah, that that's all. I'm trying to think who else is in Boston. I don't <laughs> 
No, it's just, they just announced Fusions Punk and Color Hex and Myungmong. Hmm. But uh, again, they those were sort of late announcements uh, today. And as was with podcast lore, probably more tomorrow or today, depending on but they didn't perspective drop Jerry. Jerry's in the exact same position like Shockwave. So yeah, but it, it's just weird how that was sort of shared. Like it wasn't on social. Yeah. Let me phrase that. It, it was on social. Hey, we've gone and we've committed to some veterans. Click here to read more. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So that is uh, the uh, movement over the past week. I'm gonna imagine we're gonna see a whole lot more, and the reason for that is the fact that. October 24th marks the start of the free agent season. That's this weekend with an asterisk. If someone is on a 2019 option that had not yet been picked up, that doesn't actually occur until November, at which point they become free agents as of November 20th. So the free agents now are um, players who are on our 2020 contract or the contracts are completely up or, uh, the team had an uh, essentially a release clause or something built in the other players who are on one of these options. And that could be like, not that shockwave would qualify. So a bad example, cause he, there's no way he has a 2019 deal with the Titans, but those players, I think Jerry had been around since 2019. Hadn't he? Mm, he might've been. So it could be that now these are teams yeah. that are still evaluating opportunity before cashing in on the option. And I'm not trying to suggest that that's, I don't know. It's, it's the one thing I, I kind of wish there was more transparency with simply because I'm so accustomed to it in, in traditional sports. Like I go to capfriendly.com to find out every contract I need to know in the NHL. <laughs> Can't really always, do that. I've always kind of found that weird though. Like, I mean, on one end, like obviously we're, we're stats nerds and, and we want to know how the salary caps work and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But on the other end, it's like, I don't know how much my best friend makes in salary. Like, why do I know Louis Erickson's salary? Because you like to punish yourself. <laughs> um, no, so you're right. I it, it is kind of weird. The way I look at it is that when you have structures such as this, it's for me, I don't really, it's the cap I care how much a player makes. I simply want to know the tie to the team so that you can almost do the fantasy sport. Fantasy sports require data, require information. And the more that you have available to you, the better the fantasy can become. Anyhow, that's my two cents. What other news is going on in the world of the Overwatch uh, League? Well, not so much Overwatch League itself, but uh, by extension, contenders. Watch contenders earn skins. Uh, Simply put, it works similar to the token system, which means you may or may not watch enough based on how you're watching current skins uh each month there'll be two skins released i think it's what genji and mercy this month mm-hmm. uh, it shows you how close attention i paid it, essentially it's the contenders uh league theme style skins they don't look too bad but i'm not all that inspired to go and watch contenders for the sake of the skins i'd watch contenders if i wanted to watch contenders Oof. It's not a shot on contenders. I just don't know enough about the scene. And <laughs> Maybe you'd know more to... about the scene if you watched it and got oh. some skins. True, <laughs> true, true. That's totally true. You know, and quite frankly, it's the chicken or egg, which comes first. If you order both from Amazon, it's the easiest way to find out. Fair. Dad joke all the way. I want to talk about some rumors, only because I know Sam is relishing in the fact that this rumor could very well mean he wins a bet. Uh, 
the hot rumor is that Overwatch 2 is likely going to release next year. Now, again, this won't be a surprise to the likes of Sam, who told us much earlier in the year that that was going to be the case. It's a little bit disappointing for me, who suggested it might launch in 2020. And essentially, the rumor is is that it will launch um, in sort of coordination with the delayed BlizzCon that's taking place in February. And as a result, the Overwatch League itself will delay its season to allow for it to occur completely on the new version of Overwatch, Overwatch 2. I don't know the veracity of this, this rumor. Um, it's been reported on, you know, quite to, quite a bit. And, you know, there are some clues. So, you know, for instance, you know, PlayStation Brazil had tweeted that uh, 2020 will be the Overwatch 2 comes to the PS4. We That was before the pandemic thing occurred. And you had the Vancouver Titans obviously tweet that out. That was awesome. Um, <laughs> but... I'm I'm looking at the clock right now, and I don't see how it happens in 2020. I agree. I think it'll be 2021. But boy, if you really wanted to build some pop and to reinvigorate your your league, that's a way to go about it. Doesn't necessarily mean it'll be successful, but it's also clean. Can you imagine the league starting in Overwatch One and then introducing an entirely new playstyle and engine that drastically alters heroes in a manner uh, that it will? and have that happen midway through the season better yet wait until the start of your playoffs and do it like that. None of that adds up. So I, I, I truly see that this might be a possibility, but that also does mean the overwatch league might not kick off until according to these reports, April. And yet overwatch league has uh, constantly, you know, spiced up the league. If you want to call it that uh, multiple times before. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do actually <laughs> implement it in the middle of a season. Mm-hmm. It would go with league lore. Yep. On a, but, on a Wednesday. But my suggestion that they'll never take is just make a shortened season, man. Like it doesn't need to be nine months or however months it was supposed to be long. Like, like, you know, keep it to, to 15, 17 games, have a set of playoffs, call it a season. You just um, get ready for less. overwatch too. <laughs> I mean, that's a big part of it, but like, I just think, Less is more. Like who who cared about like the LA Gladiators versus the Houston Outlaws in week fifteen of the league? <laughs> Good point. I, I don't know how to argue with that. But then, are you suggesting having a first like year half year season and then a second like maybe maybe if they're ready, like if Overwatch Two is ready? But like like I I don't know. I was really annoyed when they got rid of goats for the last quarter of the last season. I'll forever be salty about that. I was again really annoyed when they threw in hero pools in the middle of the season and changed everything again. Um, so, and then and then I mean not their fault, but but changing to a regional style thing midway through the season sure. was also again very weird. So I'm just kind of tired of of them moving the goalpost every single season. So if you're gonna move goalposts, move it at the end of the season. But what happens when they introduce a patch that adds a new hero and drastically not alters the style? Not of the sure. <laughs> it's the spice of life. It what makes us live. Oh man, I, I, it'll be interesting how things will will trickle out. Um, hey, Overwatch we'll be here coaches for the ride. gotta earn that paycheck. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> that because they don't obviously have a hard enough job as it is. Well, but here we are at the hard. end of a 
pretty long episode. I mean, add in the uh, the interview to our record time here, and uh, we're talking about a, a buck and a half, a little bit over that. So thank you for for tuning in if you have made it to this far. Um, we obviously try not to have our episodes go that long, but then when you have guests uh, like Karku, you want to allow them every opportunity they can to talk, and uh, thankfully he did. That said, we actually have another pretty cool guest uh, lined up for our next episode. Uh, I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag quite yet, um, but uh, he'll be joining us to talk a little bit about why he follows one of the Toronto Defiant or the Vancouver Titans. And again, this is part of our Get to Know a Fan series, a segment that we're going to be running throughout the offseason to allow you, our listeners and fans of the Overwatch League, fans of the Vancouver Titans, fans of the Toronto Defiant, tell us and and all of our listeners uh, what it is about these teams that uh, you know got you to follow them. And uh, in turn, just give you an opportunity to, to share a few thoughts on, on the teams themselves, the game, the league, and, and really, again, make it about the community, not about, you know, three guys that like the, the sound of their own voice. But uh, as we look to, to wrap up every episode, uh, I ask you for your final words of wisdom. So, uh, Omni, what, uh, what poetry have you written for us today? Well, today, to spice it up a little, instead of words of wisdom, I will share some thoughts of wisdom. That's it. What the hell is the difference? No, I just did. (laughs) Well, no, the thoughts. Did you not feel the thoughts come through? Yeah. Oh, dude. I did not feel those thoughts come through. Well, you missed them. (laughs) I I think you need to leave a longer pause for the people just to really hit that tomorrow mark. Because I think, honestly, if you guys have listened to all this stuff, and you've lasted till the end, spend an extra 30 seconds and give us that five-star review. Okay, thanks, bye. <laughs> As for me, uh, just a reminder, you had heard the uh, the ad spot a little bit earlier, Extra Life uh, is taking part, uh, or taking place in a couple of weeks. Uh, I know myself and Omni will be streaming, maybe Sam too. Uh, we'll have some good fun looking to raise money for uh, Children's Miracle Network Hospitals, but specifically the BC Children's Hospital for ourselves. Um, if you think you wanted to get involved, please reach out to us. We'd love to have you on Team RSP and take part. Our goal, our team goal is to raise $1,500. We're about 10% of the way there. It's a big goal, I know that. But uh, if you have it in you, um, please, um, if you can, support us with a, a donation. All donations are tax deductible. And uh, if you're curious as to how to do that, uh, we've got some links on social on RSP Cord. Um, but also, you can uh, reach out to us. Um, either of those places, and we'd be happy to, to fill in the blanks. But as we do with each and every episode, please uh, drop those reviews if you have not so already. If you have a friend or family member you think might be interested in the Overwatch League, get them to tune in, listen to an episode. Maybe you came by for the Karki episode, you stuck around for the rest of the show, maybe you were always here. We love you either way, but if for some reason you haven't clicked that subscribe button yet in whatever podcatcher you listen to us in, please do so. We'd love to have you back. But on behalf of Omni at Omni Strife, Sam and another Sam Chan, myself, Chris at Lightforce, we're going to sign off this episode with those words that you've been waiting for for such a long time. Catchphrase! Thank you.